0: Welcome to The Pastor's Porch, a place where pastors encourage one another, speak freely about the Word of God, and engage in real communal relationships with the body of Christ. Hello everybody and welcome back to The Pastor's Porch. We are so glad that you are joining us today. Uh, Wherever you're listening from, uh, take some time, take a look outside. I don't know if it looks the same way it does up on the mountaintop, but it is beautiful this time of the year in November, the trees turning um, driving up the mountain. It is a, is a beautiful time to just look at the trees and be be enamored by God's creation. And so we're excited that you guys are joining us today. We are going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 today. We're going to take a look at what Paul writes to us in Corinthians. Um, these two chapters are considered uh, the, the chapter First 1 Corinthians 12 is considered the divide, diversity Excuse me, of gifts, um, of talking about uh, one Lord and one body, but we all are many members of it and the diversity of gifts in the kingdom. And then chapter 13 um, talks about uh, the way of love. We often use that as a reference in, in marriage counseling and in marriages, but it is not limited to just that. And so we're going to talk about those things today and kind of just see where the Lord takes us. We may not stay there, but that's where we're going to start today.
1: Well, let's talk about how we got it, because I think it's cool to interact with people. And I think the day and age we live in, one of the neat things that we have is an opportunity to engage with people. And I think the question was asked, um, and pardon me if I get it wrong, uh, essentially, what do we do with those uh pieces of ministry or callings in ministry that aren't in front of people. How do right. we serve effectively, for lack of a better word, behind the scenes, Correct. not in front of people, not a, uh, something that people would typically see. And which immediately sparked my little mind to thinking of, well, the church, our church just wouldn't function if there was, nobody behind the scenes doing things. Absolutely, um, Our church would be much different place than it is if, if I was the only one to do something or you were the only one to do something, or even the children's teacher was the only one to do something or the song leader was the only one to do something. There's so many people working, doing things that are unseen that it was really encouraging when I heard the question, it was actually uh, very encouraging and so that's that's what immediately took me to First Corinthians chapter number twelve, and the body of Christ. I think it's interesting that Paul, after he lists out the gifts, begins talking about how, hey, not everyone has the same gift. Correct. You know, I mean, thank God there's not thirty Zacks in unity, and thank God there's not thirty Ts in unity because it would. Thank it, God there's not two. Uh, exactly <laughs> right. I mean, thank God that there is there's mature leaders in different aspects, in different locations within the church, inside the walls, outside the walls, inner ministries, outer ministries, evangelism, street outreach. I mean, the prison outreach. I mean, the list goes van outreach. I mean, the, the, the list is never ending. And those are just things that for lack of a better word, have a title within the concept of our budget. That's not including Correct. People that are out doing ministry every day, mowing people's yards, caring for people's homes, cooking meals. I mean, we don't even have a word for Cleaning some of these. out buildings. Yeah, right. We don't even have a word for, for a lot no. of these things. But I, I think Paul addresses it well. I think the question is dynamite of what do we do with this? Well, the first thing we would say is uh, those places, whether they be production, sound, media... Live stream helps door. I mean, all whatever words you want to put on it, they're all vital. They're all important. I mean, for example, the door greeter, whoever is the door greeter, right? This is probably not a glamorous position that people are just begging for inside the church. But I would I would tell people this that if you're opening the door, if you're holding the door open for somebody, it's very likely that you are the first. Person, now you're building. We don't talk about this. You're building your grounds. All of those things give an impression. Absolutely. Your website give an impression. The day and age we live in now, and you go to a church's website, they want to plan a visit before they even come. Correct. And this is just the social age. But the first person who gives an impression to someone who's visiting your church, or maybe it's a newer person that's been coming, that just have not made a friend yet, or maybe someone's been coming for thirty years. The first person each Sunday or each Wednesday uh, that they get an impression of, is that person holding the door open? Correct. It's the person who's greeting them. And how they do that will determine how that person spends the next few minutes of their life, whether we like to admit it or not. If they make a bad impression, that person may already check us off the list and say, well, I'm never coming back to that church.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right in that. And I think uh, what this question stems from is, Ultimately, just obedience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and we get everybody gets so caught up in titles. Yeah, we all yeah. we all are guilty of it to some extent. Sure. but I think the biggest thing with this and how how this kind of question came about of how I read into it is when there are things that people see need to be done to just serve. Yeah, and just go do go do yeah. those things, you know. Um, and we get so caught up in. Um, having, you know, people in positions that we think that we should prioritize within ministry, but mean some of the most important parts of ministry or when people do things that you haven't even thought about, right? When people when people take care of things that when it happens, you're like, oh my goodness. Like, why didn't I think about that? You know, thank, thank the Lord for those individuals. And sometimes some of the most important people... In ministry, are people that just are there, mm-hmm. right? Just are mm-hmm. are there and use um, what the Lord has given them to be peace, to be comfort, um, to be a breath of fresh air, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we all like to make fun of the what we consider class clowns and the goobers, but sometimes they're situations where they sure. their personality and who they are as an individual. Is so important in a time of ministry, mm-hmm. and I, I think we kind of skip over those things. And one thing that just stands out to me when I read First Corinthians twelve, obviously the whole chapter is is very vital, um, but it comes from verse eighteen. It says, "But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body, and it has pleased Him."
1: Yeah, and yeah. this is where I, I think that.
0: we. This is where I think we skip over. You know, we talk about all the times the gift of wisdom, the yeah. gift the gift of reconciliation or the ministry of reconciliation, uh, the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongue. We, we talk about all these gifts, sure. but we don't talk about what is probably the most, to me, one of the most important verses in this entire scripture is it says God set every one of them in the body and it pleased him. Mm. Mm. And I made a note of this many, many years ago. It's between you and God, not you and everyone else. And I think that's what is important when we talk about uh, these diversity of gifts. And I just spoke kind of to this to our youth uh, not too long ago. I took it out of David and Goliath is you're never meant to fight a battle or do something in somebody else's armor.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. When David tried to put on Saul's. Yeah. Or when they tried to put when, David when in Saul's. When they souls. tried to put David in yeah. Saul's. Yeah. Right. That's so good.
0: And but it it. It. it it to me it correlates to first Corinthians 12, too. Is you're never meant to operate out of somebody mm-hmm. else's gifting, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you can only operate out of what God has gifted you in. So true, and I think that's where it, we get so caught up in is we see people flourishing in other areas, yeah, and jealousy, yeah, is a big part of that, yeah. Um, and the culture and pride uh, uh, is a big part of that, but I think it's so important to. To rest on that verse in in 1 Corinthians 12 is the fact that God has put every single person in a place, in a season, for a specific time, for a specific yeah. reason, and it pleases Him.
1: Yeah. And so, I'll paraphrase the next four or five verses, basically say, if everyone's the same organ, there's no function, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, if, if even the parts that we listen to this, it says... And I'm not reading it, so just in my head, I'm thinking of it. It says, even the parts that we think are less honorable... Correct. ...are absolutely vital. I'm, absolutely. Para- I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. No, yes. ...are absolutely vital to the function of the body. And I was thinking on this this morning. It's it's tremendous that we're having this conversation because I didn't know which route we were going to go this morning, but I, in my prayer time, I was sitting... I'm just writing some things down and just praying and the, the topic came up in my mind of pride. I was, I was writing through some things and praying through some things we have going on at the church. And just one of the things that popped in my mind immediately was something I've always said. And your dad taught me years ago was I'm not looking for someone who wants a title. I'm looking for someone who wants to serve or is already doing what I need them to do. Right, I yeah. worry about the title later. I'm looking for somebody with a towel. I'm looking for somebody that wants to serve and is serving. They don't need my permission to serve. They don't need my permission uh, to come here and love people. Nobody, I mean, really, to fulfill the two greatest commandments that God gives us, love the Lord, the God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor and and yourself, you yourself. You don't need my permission. Nope. I mean, I mean and I get it. Uh, some people, you know, they don't know how things function. Maybe they're new in the church or they're like, wait, I want to do this. I want to do it. But to just basically love God and love people, that stands out. Yeah. Because that's the person who walks by and sees popcorn spilled all over the floor at an event and, and immediately up. finds a broom and a dustpan. Yeah. That person is not looking. Is not looking for someone else to go do that. Well, and people think that may be silly, but in terms of ministry, that's a very real thing, man. It's a very real thing that is happening. Every time the doors are open here, even when the doors aren't open here, there's people that will show up here and do things around the property that I know are happening that they don't know. It's a good thing, right? Like they don't know that I know they're here doing it. Uh, They could be as simple as coming and cleaning sidewalks. It could be as simple as um, pulling weeds in the back or, or, you know, it could be as simple as... Making sure the trash is not overflowing and just simple things that that checking the property. I mean, there's guys that are police officers that come here that I know drive out of their way multiple times a week just to make sure nobody's mess, messing with our church. Yeah. You know, there's, there's other people that are paramedics or, or first aid certified or first responders or fire chiefs or all these people that when something happens or transpires in a building of several hundred people, you never have to go look for them. No, they're already there. They're already there serving. You have you have other people who are gifted in technology or uh other trades, you know, that they're just here serving, man. And and I think this this chapter needs to be sewn down into the body of Christ. Absolutely. Because we in America have made it where if you don't stand on a platform, you don't have value. So but true. but the the exact opposite is true. I have a role in the church. My role is different than other people's roles. You have a role in the church. It's different than other people's roles. But it doesn't make our role more important. No. And I think and I think that's that's that celebrity pastor culture that is kind of birthed into America. But you look at it, man, it's not just in the church, it's in our whole culture. Correct. I mean, look at look at I mean, watch watch next year's an election year, I think. So watch what'll happen all these movie stars and athletes and everybody that gets on the TV, people are going to start valuing what they say about politics. Yep. Well, I don't care what any of them think about politics. I really don't. But the culture does. That we live in a culture where we want to worship what somebody with the most pull, for lack of a better word, has to say. And I think in the church, humility, serving God with a true and sincere heart, man, whether you're working in the nursery, whether you're you're picking up trash, whether you're strengthening or I'm sorry, straightening the seats, mm-hmm. passing communion. Is that not vital? I look around on when we do communion or tithes and offerings and the people that are passing the buckets. It's not something I take lightly, man. It's not something I take lightly when people are serving the Lord's communion. And and those guys, when I see them, most of those guys are never are never and women that are helping with that, they're never going to stand up and preach. No. They're just not preachers. No. But they're they're taking that role very serious.
0: And honestly, if you ask them to be in a position that made themselves on the stage... Wouldn't want it. 95% of them wouldn't want it.
1: But they are interested in helping the body receive communion, Correct. the Lord's Supper. Yeah. And, and that, to me, I mean... So simple well, yet it's, so
0: beautiful. Yeah, it goes back to the, the latter part of First Corinthians twelve, where it talks about there should be no schism in the body, and having care, yeah, for one another. Yeah, and that if one is being honored, yeah, all honor him. But if one is, uh, I don't remember the words that he used, but in other words, if one is, you know, having some troubles or going through something, then all mm. everybody is mm. a part of a part of that. Yes. and I think that. That is what is so important, and we've kind of lost it as a culture. Um, Well, culture lost it a long time ago. The church started losing it because they adopted culture. Sure. The uh, ability to fully um, be devoted to each other. Yeah. to fully rejoice with each other to fully mm-hmm. mourn with each other yeah um, and I think we do a good job of that here at our church mm-hmm. uh, but I look around uh, at, at the the American church mm-hmm. and um, that's why churches are splitting yeah that's why that's why people are leaving at a rapid rate is because mm-hmm. we've lost the ability to honor those who deserve honor mm-hmm. but we've also lost the ability to love and mourn with those who need love and mourning
1: yeah and I think it's just community, right? Like that's what I'm I'm reading in my personal study right now is in Acts four and five. Um and I'm just reading on those and just just astonished. You know, we just I just got done with chapter two and chapter three and just just community. That's what that's what the church needed and I believe that's what the church still needs. Absolutely. Is community. I believe the biggest the biggest need that I see in the church right now, um, and you're talking about several hundred people in in our case, is community. And I think some of the things that have happened the last couple weeks in our church, whether it was, you know, somebody's um, heart surgery or whether it was unplanned emergencies or whether it was um, things going on around the campus with events and things going on around the city, I think you just see that that's what people buy into. Yeah. They buy into community. Absolutely. And they do want to bear those burdens. Uh, they do want to help people in their time of need. Um, and I, I, to me, that's just, that's how you keep those schisms out, right? Is investment of time. Yep. Investment of relationship. Um, and it's got to be done in a humble way. Correct. I, I think I think chapter number 13, one of the biggest failures of the modern church is we turn this into the marriage chapter. Yep. And and I'm I'm pro marriage man. I am I love that people take this and want to read it at their wedding. It's great. It's great. But chapter thirteen is not talking about relationship between a man and a woman. Ooh. Now we can use it there. I don't think there's anything wrong with using that. And, and Paul actually
0: concludes chapter twelve to set up chapter thirteen. Yes. In yes. saying like.
1: Hey, I'm going to show you more I'm excellent. I'm going to show you yeah.
0: I'm gonna, like these gifts are important but I'm going to show you a more excellent way of how things need to be taken care of.
1: Yeah. And I think that's just one thing that, you know, I mean, listen. These verses work great in our marriages. No doubt. There's no there's no doubt. But if you took chapter 13 and every church around the country put that into practice.
0: Absolutely.
1: Every Christian said okay i'm not only going to do this inside my home i'm going to do this in the church i mean because what is you know what does james write where does wars and and things come from inside you right you know where does confusion come from where does where do these things these turmoils come from where do these schisms as paul calls them or or uh you know james talks about it as though it is um Uh, something that uh, evil work that enters in that, that draws apart. Right. Um, It's not from God. Right. And then uh, Peter even talks about it later. And so, I mean, all of this can be summed up is what would happen? What would happen if we, as the body of Christ took chapter number 13 and said, my name is Zach, I'm a Christian and I need to apply first Corinthians 13 to my relationship with T. Mm hmm. I mean, look at all this. I mean, this is a lot here. Well, man, it,
0: just talking about that, it, it goes back to the two commandments that yeah, the two most important commandments that God told us: love the Lord your God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what is what is First Corinthians thirteen all it's the about? The love chapter, yeah, man. It, it, it's the love chapter in the King mm-hmm. James version. It calls it the you know charity, charity, right? But you which carries a different. We don't have time to get into that. But charity does mean love, but there's a lot more Mm -hmm. emphasis by Mm -hmm. using charity. But the whole point is that if God himself is like, love the Lord and love others, Mm -hmm. and then you have a whole chapter dedicated Mm -hmm. from Paul Mm -hmm. talking about the ways that you should.
1: Yeah. Man, it's important. Yeah. I mean, I look at verse number two of chapter 13. And this is, I'm gonna tell you something, man. I have two major heartbreaks in ministry, and and I'll and just things that I've been through, and I'll, I'll share this one today, and maybe the other one another time. But there's two things that I see that break my heart often, way more often than I would ever want to, and this is one of them. Uh, and though I have the gift of prophecy, listen to this, I understand all mysteries. Listen to this. And all knowledge. And though I have all faith. Mm. So that I could remove mountains. But if I have not charity, I am nothing. And I'm going to tell you something, man. I'm going to tell you something. Charity, uh, and the lack thereof, is a very real revealer of the inside of a heart of man. Absolutely. I, I was literally just writing on thinking on this this morning out of Acts chapter five. But if you read that, it's basically saying, hey, I can, I can have all the prophecies. I can know all the mysteries. I can have all the knowledge and all the faith. But if I can't love my brother as myself, if I can't love the body of Christ as myself, if I can't give to the body of Christ in a healthy way, then I'm empty, and then you could read the verses before and after, and it would it would it would say the same thing. It says basically you could lay your life down, but it's nothing. The, the amplified uh-huh.
0: says, "I am a useless nobody,"
1: and I'm gonna tell you something, man. The discernment of spirits that you can get, it's heartbreaking to me, because I have people come through the door and oh I love Jesus and oh I love God. And, oh, I love you, Pastor Zach. You're amazing. And then I'll see them in public. And I see how they treat people. Or Mm -hmm. I listen to how they talk to people. Mm -hmm. Or in some cases, I listen to how they talk to me. Or see how they treat me. Or It's not about me. It's It's not a personal thing. But other people in public, I listen. And these are not, I'm not talking about like first day born again Christians. Correct. Talking about like they just got born again yesterday and they're being sanctified. I'm talking about people that say they've been in God for 40 or 50 years 30 years that that treat people like doo-doo, and they treat people awful and I'm sitting here reading this and I'm wondering where where is the conviction of God's word in their life because God's word right here says if you you can do all those things you can have all the biblical knowledge you can quote you, you all can quote, knowledge you can quote John 3:16 uh with the best of them. Right, You can put your little fish bumper sticker on the back of your car and you can lead whatever group you lead and you can say, I'm doing this for God, I'm doing this for God. But how you treat people at the end of the day and how people view you. I think there's a verse in First Timothy that says, uh, you will have a good report, talking about church leadership, talking about elders, pastors, mm-hmm. bishops. It says, you will have a good report of them that are outside the church. You want to know how to know if somebody's a mature Christian? I'm not talking about these crazy people walking up and down the road, burning down cities. I'm talking about go ask a legitimate non-believer what they think of them. I'm not talking about the crazy ones that's out here in the street trying to kill everybody being crazy. I'm talking about go find a person who does not believe and ask them what they think of this pastor, that pastor, this minister, this minister. And I promise you, I promise you, if you're living out this word, you're gonna have a hard time having a negative answer there. Yeah. I mean well, now you're would, you're gonna get I don't agree with them, you're gonna get I don't like them, but they won't be able to indict you as a person.
0: Well, I would even take that one step farther and just everybody who listens to this, yeah. If you wanna if you wanna figure out, if you wanna know how well you represent Christ, go ask a non believer what they think about you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Specifically. Now that's a hard question. We don't like the feedback, but we forget. And me included, I'm not immune to this. I, I'm the same as anybody else. We forget that this without this charity, without this brotherly affection, without this this benevolent spirit, if you will.
0: That's exactly what it means in the uh
1: as a the Greek as a yeah. benevolent spirit. Yeah. It yeah. literally
0: it literally I believe that.
1: Yeah. Is that what it says? Affection bene-
0: or benevolence. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Without an affectionate, benevolent spirit. I don't believe that you can effectively minister because your head knowledge will eventually outweigh who you are as a person. Mm. And when that happens, when that happens, that's the person in the grocery store who sticks their nose up to you and won't talk to you. That's the person who who makes comments about you and talks about and these things, guys, this is in this is not immune to unity. This no. is not this is not. Just because God moves here and we think it's a very special place doesn't mean that this doesn't happen here. This does happen. We've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. It breaks my heart. I've done it at times in my life. I've been that guy on that side of the sure. street at times in my life. It's horrible. Horrible. I had a non believer call me out on it one time, and he was right. He said, You don't even care about me. You just care if you can check off that I said yes to Jesus. He looked me in my eyes and told me that. And it was the best immediate, instant, uh, what do you call it? Feedback yeah. I ever got in my life, standing on the street preaching to him. He looked me in my eyes and he said, You only care if I say yes. You don't care about me. And he was right. Yeah. He was right. He was so right. And I'm so glad that God used well, that man to teach me I that. I want
0: you to think about this though too. Um, we want feedback in every area of our lives, except when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. Don't judge me.
1: That oh, don't judge me. I, yeah. We don't have time to go down no, that No, we don't. And I
0: could chase a rabbit right there if I wanted to. But oh. the whole the whole point of this is, you know, my my degree is in education, right? Yeah. And so I, I studied was a math teacher for several years before um, the Lord called me into the place of ministry that I knew I was going to be at some point. But one of the one of the things, Jack Miserow... Um, phenomenal uh, educator mm. and he said something that I've applied to every part of my my life reflection is the only way that you can truly learn something amen and that comes back to kind of this this feedback getting feedback and reflecting on that and learning how figuring out how to be better is the only way you can truly learn something and I've taken that to every part of my life let me tell you something. It's a challenge when you yeah. accept that. Oh. It brother. is it is it is a challenge. It makes you stay really humble. Yeah. Because there are some things that when you pray for some things, mm-hmm. you know, I I don't think the Lord ever is like, Are you sure? It's kinda like my flesh going, Are you sure you want to pray yeah. this prayer? Yeah. Um, and ask these things. But it all goes back to that refining process mm-hmm. of how important it is, mm-hmm. and that's where understanding First Corinthians thirteen and what it truly is, and understanding the the full attributes of charity, mm-hmm. of what it what it does, yeah. and what it covers, mm-hmm. and what it does not do, mm-hmm. and it, it's we you know we talk about that all the time from. The pulpit and talking about marriage which mm-hmm. it absolutely should be applied to marriage but it should be applied to every single person's life that follows after christ their daily
1: walk Amen.
0: is that when a brother or sister comes against you you should have charity yeah. to them mm-hmm. you know when your kids come against you you should have charity mm-hmm. to them and and man that's hard and, but it's, it's sure, important. Yeah. It's important in in our lives. It's important in our relationships. It's important for the community. Mm-hmm. And we truly have to understand that, I Man, a lot of the feedback isn't, uh, isn't an attack on an individual, mm-hmm. but that's how we take it. Mm-hmm. I've been guilty of it too. Uh, I can think of one time my wife said something to me in our, in our marriage and I took it as a personal thing and I, well, I was fired up, but once the Lord allowed it to actually settle in my spirit, she was right.
1: Yeah. Well, that's never happened to me. So that's, a, that's a, <laughs> I have, I have, well, you know, and I think that's, I think that's why people struggle with it. Um, because like, I've had some things in my life that I'm a very demanding person. I know I am. I, I'm not, I'm not. You know, I, I I know that. And so I can be that as a father too. And a couple of times in our marriage callings had to look at me and say, Hey, you know, chill out. It's going to be okay. You know, like, like, don't, you don't got to push them. And something the Holy Spirit said years ago to me that, that helped me was the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, about my kids. He said, you know, your kids aren't the pastor, you know? Yeah you know, Hunter's not the pastor, Jackson's not the pastor, quit quit putting expectations on them that I don't have. Well, in that, my wife had essentially said the same thing to me. And man, you wanna talk about I, I found out a lot about myself that day. And you know what I found out? I was a prideful little joker is what I was, because my first response was, I'm gonna bow up my chest. Yeah. Bah. And, bah. Yeah, bah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna <laughs> assert my authority here. And then when I got alone with the Lord, I realized, one, all she was doing was repeating what the Holy Spirit had already been saying to me. And two, I needed to hear it. I needed to hear, give your kids some grace. It's a love-hate thing that we have to hear that from our wives. (laughs) But it was so so right, and it was so on time. And it it showed me, it kind of revealed to me, how that's how a lot of people handle the Word of God from me. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, this is a weird, it's a weird thing that people will come to me wanting advice. They'll want scripture. They'll want, they'll want a problem addressed. And then the moment I speak from the word of God, oh, they booger up at me like a mule to water, you know? And it's just, it's just a a real thing. And our natural response, our sin, man, our flesh response most often is to do just that. Not me. Yeah. You were supposed to fix the other person. Correct. You were supposed to fix my spouse. You were supposed to fix the kids. Yeah. You were supposed to do this. And the reality is we all have to get this little check yeah. in our Absolutely. spirit. Absolutely. Man, and it's
0: talking, just vital. talking just about that, you want to talk about a humbling experience for me. Uh, you know, I've said on this podcast before, Courtney and I went to counseling just as a, an old mm-hmm. checkup. Um, I would be lying if I didn't tell you that part of that was me wanting to fix some of the how, try to fix some of the things that I was frustrated with yeah. in our marriage of her. Yeah. And it was the complete opposite when we got in there. Yeah. It, it was it why was don't you, you yeah. yeah. Yeah, why don't you the Lord was like, Why don't you work on the things I'm asking you to yeah. and I'll take care uh of, of her. Yeah. And and it was listen, it was nothing in our marriage that was like If this doesn't change, we're done. But it talk about another humbling experience. But it was it was still needed. Yeah, it was still needed, and I think you know um, I think our response to a lot of those situations um, tells a lot about us too. Yeah, and um, I I I firmly believe that how we respond to things is how the Lord's going to be able to speak to them. Sure.
1: Yeah. Well, what is, what is, I mean, you and know, I have both been around athletics for years and, and, and even high level athletics. And, and you would agree with me when I say this, that being coachable or teachable, uh, you can be the best player in the world. You, you can be the next Michael Jordan, but if you're not coachable and you're not teachable, yep. if you're not humble enough to let the coach instruct you or the captain instruct you, um, man, your, your ceiling is going to get a lot lower. Yep some of the best players in the world, that's how they became that way was they had a teachable spirit. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think for us, I mean, I, I just know for me, I, I can just say for me, um, years ago, I think I wrote about this in my book was, uh, I got to a place where this is probably 11, 12 years ago, Colleen and I were young. We had a couple kids and I was, we had just got in church and man, we had just started serving God. And, you know, we we're kind of in that early season of ministry trying to figure out what is God really doing with us? Okay. Cause it was obvious he was doing something big cause our whole lives were changing this turnover. I mean, things were leaving left and right and things were coming left and right. It was just a, a really good season. But I remember, I can remember this like it's yesterday. Um, the Holy spirit told me, what if you prayed for your wife instead of complained? And it wasn't even that like Colleen was doing anything wrong. It, was, it wasn't like there was some big sin or some problem. It wasn't anything like that. But I just remember I started to make it a point that day to get on my knees and to thank God for my wife and pray for her. Pray for her blessings. Pray yeah. for her pray for her, her just blessing. I mean, kindness, just to, just to have a great day. You know, nothing, it wasn't like there was some big hidden, you know, drug addiction or sin or anything like what, nothing like that. It was just simply to thank God for my wife and pray that he would change me. Well, what happened was God did change me. God made our marriage incredible. I mean, I I can remember our marriage went from, we didn't have no clue, man. We came out of nothing, a bunch of brokenness. And we went from like a three or four on the marriage scale to we're still riding a 10 or 12 here, you know, 12 years later. And I I believe that was the season in which it changed. I can take you to the moment where I kneeled beside the bed. But it was because in my pride, I thought there were some things about Colleen I wanted fixed. Mm -hmm. But in God's spirit, he began to show me the problem wasn't Colleen. The problem was Zach. Yeah. And, and as I begin to thank him for my wife, I begin to see my own shortcomings. And over that process of the next four or five months there, brother, I can take you back to the time, the day. I can take you back to the moment and I could show you how our, our whole marriage and marriage experience changed. But so often we fail. We fail in this place because we're not willing we're not willing to come to this place of charity. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just like our culture says, you're only serving God if you're the pastor. Well, that's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell, man. You
0: can go read 1 Corinthians 12 and see the diversity of gifts. Yeah. Uh, you can see just in the verse I read you, I think it's uh, verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 12 of how God has put everybody here yeah. for purpose and put everybody together for purpose and it pleases mm-hmm. him. And then the, the biggest challenge is then putting on charity in every mm-hmm. aspect 100%. Uh, of your life. And so uh, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, we love you. Uh, stay tuned. We may be doing a little bit something different in the next couple podcasts that we're excited about. So stay tuned. Uh, stay updated. We love you guys. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Pastor's If you don't have a church home, come join us at Unity Covenant Church in West Fork, Arkansas. We would love to have you. Thank you for your continual support to this podcast. Please stay tuned for more episodes. Have a great day, and God bless.